Welcome to Spartan Up the Podcast. This week, we're hanging with the wellness mama, and quite the mama she is. Katie Wells, six kids, runs her household like, I don't know, a ship? But what ship are they talking about when they say that it runs like a ship? I think this is a family ship or the wellness <laughs> ship, right? But anyway. She also runs a, a, a blog. She has literally millions of moms, millions of people who oh, follow yeah. her. She's huge. Yeah, she is. See, yeah. mamas are the true force, even though I currently not yet, and they're not. But the mamas the mamas rule the world. Let's let's be honest. Happy wife, happy life. Right, guys? That, that's what they, they say. Happy spouse, happy house. Who are, who are <laughs> four people that say that? <laughs> I would say that. Colonel, retired Army Colonel Our Tim Nye. Sephra Alexander, the seed hunters would say, she's standing here to my left. Dr. Johnny Waite, kind of one of our mind doctors here. And Lonnie Main, the CEO and founder of Red Shoes Living. That's who's going to discuss and Marian, this And Marion behind that camera. And, and well, dang, is, she's Marian a great mama. is behind the counter and is a great mama. You're right. <laughs> you know what? We're just part of Spartan Up Podcast. Six days a week, we're there to rip you off your coach, get you out there living powerfully with tips, tricks. We want you to subscribe. We want you to like. We want you to engage, ask us questions, and share this with your friends and family because we want them to be off the coach as well. Yeah, we're going to add an eighth day to the week. It's a new Spartan day. Really? Did that joke not go over that well this you time? You heard it here first. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Eight days a week, Lonnie. Hey, stick around <laughs> to the end of the show with this. We're going to have four different perspectives and break uh, the interview down with Katie, and you're really going to enjoy it. We are here in Malibu with Kate Wells, the famous Kate Wells, right? <laughs> Wellness Mama. Um, and we're talking about, I don't know what we're talking about because we don't really know each other, but I know when we're done with this, we're jumping in the ice tub. Exactly. We'll get to know each other real fast. Yeah. You grew up in Florida. No, grew up in Texas, but live in Florida. You grew up in Texas. Texas is like a tough state because we talk about resiliency and grit a lot here. And so tell me what kind of upbringing. Do you have a really easy upbringing? Definitely not. So on a couple facets, I was the kid that was always sick. So I had, I think, 40 rounds of antibiotics before I was five. Wow. Spent some time in the hospital when I was young. So I had some tough childhood experiences um, and grew up in a family that was very academic focused and um, like A's were the bottom acceptable grade. Those were expected. Um, Parents were teachers or? My dad was a college professor. Um, My mom spoke multiple languages and did finance. So that was just academics was our family culture. Like all my extended relatives have PhDs or beyond. And um, so that was what was expected. How many, how many brothers and sisters? Only one brother younger. Okay, and he had the same rules. Same rules, yeah. All right. Um, but did everything early, so was pretty much done with college uh, at 18 and kind of had an existential wow. crisis, as one wow. does, you know, at 18, where we all have our existential crisis, and decided to walk across the country for a nonprofit. Wow. Um, met my husband at the time. On the walk. On the walk. 3,000 miles. 3,000 miles, Los Angeles to D.C. That is awesome. Yeah, so that was my like one of my grit stories. That was a hard yeah. thing. Um, how, how long was the walk? How long did it take you? It took all summer. And we physically, as a group, covered every mile. So half the group would sleep at night, half would sleep during oh, the day, it. and we'd got switch. It. Okay. Yeah, and so um, realized I didn't want to go into this like super high-stress legal career that I thought I did, and that uh, people were the most important thing in life. So I ended up leaving that college, getting married, and starting a family instead. And then that led into the business that now has become such a big part of our lives. Yeah, and so and so that's a quick, unbelievable story for, mo- <laughs> for most people. So um, let's go back yeah. and unpack uh, how did you, because I'm a parent now, I've got four children, and I'd like them to be academically focused, probably not at the level it sounds like you were at, but what, w- what were the tips and tricks, what were the good things that happened there? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm a parent too, I have six. Yep. and um, Six? 
And we're also... Yeah, believe you're outdoing me every, every <laughs> corner. I don't, <laughs> I don't run Spartans yet, so you're totally winning on that. Um, for us as parents, it's kind of interesting like to look back at my own childhood and also now to obviously have hopes and dreams for my own kids and trying to balance that. So I think my parents were very good about teaching us to believe in ourselves, to work hard, consistency, and a lot of that. Um, my mom had this I love her very much, but she had this fatal disappointment face. Like if we didn't do something right, she wouldn't be so disappointed. It was like painful. And so I've never wanted to impart that on my kids where they felt like they would ever lose my love if they didn't, you know, do something academic or something that wasn't up to my standards. But at the same time, um, being an entrepreneur, I really strongly believe that entrepreneurs have the power to change the world. And so it's a very big core value in our family that we want them to have at least a chance to be entrepreneurs. And so we've tried to raise them without the like kind of iron fist of academia, but with keeping the creativity and the critical thinking to nurture that entrepreneurship. So the way we do that in our family, um, they finish their traditional high school education by about 13. Um, we homeschool, have tutors, and so we are able to do that. And then in their teenage years, we have created an entrepreneurial incubator in our house. And so they have to start a business, create a business plan. And the contract we have with them is they have to have a profitable business for a year before they can have a phone or a car. Oh, I absolutely love that. So it's like Shark Tank in the exactly, house. Exactly, exactly. I like that. Katie's Tank. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so so give me the age range of the kids. The oldest is 12 and a half and the baby's three. Right. And the baby, what business is the baby running now? None yet. None yet. But I have no doubt she might be the, the biggest shark of them all. She's like very, very smart. So And the 12-year-old? He has been so fun. I think we joke that he's going to break us in easy into the teenage years. Um, he kind of was born 40 years old, pretty much. And he is starting his own podcast, actually, called Greatology. Uh, he came to us with the idea and said, like, our generation has to fix a lot of stuff you guys messed up. So I want to interview people who are doing amazing things and ask them, what did they want to be when they were 12? And what were their pivotal moments, their hardest lessons? And learn from that. So That's what he's, he's just branching out into that world. That's yeah. awesome. And so they don't have phones yet. They don't have phones yet. Yeah, well, I, we broke a rule that I don't. We gave phones to the, um, <laughs> to the kids, which is really driving me crazy because they're so addictive. Yeah. So, what do you tell me about the you know what you do the blog? Tell me about it. Yeah. So um, shortly after I had our first son, I got really sick, and I think that's a lot of us in this health world. That's you our think story. that has something to do with uh, the antibiotics when you were. A kid? I think it was a cascade. I think the antibiotics probably set my gut up for that. Yeah. Um, then I was always very type A and figured I could sleep when I died and push myself really hard. And I always tell people, if you want to create autoimmune disease, just don't sleep, have a ton of stress and eat really crappy college food and you're golden. Right. Um, I think the pregnancy was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. But I got really sick and could not figure out what was wrong. Yeah. And doctors like doctors were like, no, you're fine. Or I'd be like, I really think I have a thyroid problem. And they would be like, no, your levels are fine. Um, my original degree was journalism, was my background, so I started turning to research to figure out what was wrong with me. And this was 12, almost 13 years ago, so I think what's now so mainstream was less known then, and it sounds ridiculous to say, but I realized, like, wow, there really is a deep connection between what we eat and how we live and our mental health and how we feel and all of these aspects sure. of health. The brain so, and the body are one. Exactly. So right. I started writing about that, and I think it was... There was a lot of people going through the same kind of struggle at the same time, and this community developed of moms that has now turned into um, a worldwide platform. We get millions of moms that visit each month, wow. and it's been really fun. Um, I hate the word influencer because I think it's tied to you know like social media likes, which I don't care at all about. But the influence of seeing other families change because of this and the community that's grown has been just awe-inspiring. Powerful, right? To uh, to help people. I mean, I, I had yes. uh, I grew up in a crazy neighborhood of organized 
crime, but one of those bosses said to me once, the best thing we can do here on this planet is help people. Surprising who it was coming from, that wow. message. But like, uh, it feels really good too. Absolutely. Right? Like when you're stressed and you're like, oh, I got to write another blog. Well, at least it's purposeful. Exactly. So how many, you get lots of moms coming back and saying, oh my God, you changed my life. I now, do you get a lot of we that? We do a lot, but also I always try to bring it home of like, they changed their lives. They're the hero of the story, yeah, right. not me. I just wrote some stuff. Um, I think. Empowered them, taught them a little bit. Maybe they didn't know where to look for. Exactly. And also I really strongly believe, maybe this may not be your core audience, but I think moms are actually the most powerful group of people on the planet. No and doubt you have about a wife, so maybe you agree with me. But no, no doubt about it. I'm like, not only do we control, like if you want to talk about economics, the purchasing power in our country, but we're like directly influencing the next generation. Yeah. So if you want to change the trajectory of a society, help the moms. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, the Spartans used to say like Spartan men are who they are because Spartan moms gave birth to them, right? Like, <laughs> at the end of the day, like without the mom, there's no... There's no Spartans. So, um, so what, like, do you look at the data of all those people coming to the site and what they're looking at? What, what seems to be the biggest thing moms are looking for? Like, are there, is it uh, gluten-free that they're focused? Like, what are the things that are the big focuses? That's a good question. We have definitely silos. We have a lot that come from thyroid disease or childhood allergies or um, just different health concerns. But what I've realized more and more, the core that seems to unite us is moms are extremely overwhelmed. And there's so much pressure on women, especially in society, to do all of these things and do them well. Um, kind of going back to the academic thing, like an A was the baseline. I feel like for moms, it's like, you're supposed to look perfect and run a household, never yell at your kids, also have a career, and yeah. that's just the baseline. Right. Um, so I feel like women are under an extraordinary amount of stress in today's world. All of us are, but I think moms get the brunt of it quite a bit. Yeah. Um, so that's something I'm trying to speak to a lot recently, because that was one of my own journeys of the last few years of um, almost having a nervous breakdown and almost deleting the blog because I thought I was the only woman on the planet who was so stressed out and that all these other moms had figured it out. And what I realized was I could run the business side really easily and it was automated and it just worked. And at home I was stressed all the time and realized in business I have standard operating procedures, I have deliverables, I have everything is run on a system and at home I'm just juggling. And so I basically applied my business templates to my life and completely alleviated stress. And so now I'm trying to help other women do that. Because I, like I said, I think if you can help women get rid of overwhelm. So you systemized the house. Exactly. And the six kids. Yep. So, so give us, dads want to know this too. Yeah, give, absolutely. Give, give us some tips. Like what, um, specifically, what could we do at home to be a little more organized? I have four at home. Okay. And it's a madhouse. Yeah. It, well, yeah, I understand the chaos. I don't think the, it ever gets quiet or not chaotic, but um, what I realized was moms especially, or at least me, I was trying to keep everything, track of everything in my head all the time. So while I was working on something, I would also be meal planning in my head and thinking about laundry and the kids need to get to pole vaulting and whatever. Um, and so I had to basically silo everything and create systems where everything had a time and a place. And when it wasn't that thing's time and place, I didn't have to think about it. It was so automated. And I also realized my goal is to raise adults, not children. So I'm not going to do something for them that they're capable of doing on their own. And so we kind of overhauled our entire family life. And the kids now um, keep up very largely with their own ecosystem. Track of their own stuff. Exactly. So they do their own laundry, they do the dishes, and everything just has built in natural workflow and consequences. So there's nothing to manage there. I love that. Why don't we, you and I take an ice tub? Yes. And then we'll come back. And uh, I want to learn some more tips for the household. Absolutely. Hey, Spartans, I'm Louis Escobar. And I'm Charlie Engel. And you know what? 
If well, you guys like Spartan Up, you are going to love Trail Talk with Lewis and Charlie because yeah. it's way better than Spartan so Up. So much better. I know the hosts, much more attractive, more intelligent. I mean, have you seen that Johnny Waite dude? Oh my God. Come yes, on. I have. Seriously? <laughs> I mean, you know. He's a handsome man. Come on, yeah, Charlie. Well, okay, fine. And <laughs> Sephra, okay, now she's she seems pretty cool. She's but, awesome. But I am just saying that trail talk is actually a whole different thing. It's we all, don't even it's not, it had nothing to do with it's obstacles. So much deeper, like what we're doing. And I think it really gets to the core of no of burpees. Our no. No Zero burpees. burpees. I mean, that's just showing off when they do that that's kind of right. stuff. So, we're, into, we're into trails. We're into trail running, and that's it. This is serious. Like, this is serious. If you want to subscribe to our new podcast, Trail Talk with Lewis and Charlie, you can go to spartan.com slash trail, and you'll find us there. Or just Google us. You don't just Google Trail Talk with Lewis and Charlie. You know what? Just go up to Joe DeSena or even Colonel Nye next time you see him and yeah. say, hey, what is the best podcast oh. that is coming from the spartan stable these days and they will tell you it's trail talk with lewis and charlie damn right all right let's get to it all right that was cold <laughs> that was really cold you are tough not as cold as finland but yeah that was cold yeah tell me about finland so i was there in january with uh, the four sigmatic team we were researching superfood mushrooms at the sami culture and of course when in finland one has to do the sauna and the ice bath yeah. and um it was 22 degrees it was not frozen because it was running water you had to like hold on to a rope so you didn't float away and i lasted a minute i like joked i outlasted a ufc fighter a professional athletes like all these people That's so because you're a mom exactly the resilience i'm like i've had six babies five naturally i can handle cold water what was going through your head as you were as you were gripping the rope and hanging on to 22 degree water there were you saying to yourself like this is not as bad as childbirth Oh, for sure. Definitely not as bad as childbirth. You do get in that like zone of breathing because you have to calm. Yeah. Um, but also I think it's a great microcosm for life. Like the ice water to me is so meditative because I can't just sit still and like think of nothing and meditate, yeah. but you get in cold water and that is all you are thinking about. And you have singleness of focus and you breathe and it's such a good lesson in relax and lean in versus fight it. Cause if yeah. you fight it, it's so much worse. I agree. I agree. But I want to dive into it and, and our, I want to dive into the kids at home and how I get my children to manage their own sh**. Yeah. How do I do that? Well, it's so like I said, I kind of took my business principles and applied them to life. So not that I think of my kids as employees, but I shifted the way I interacted with them and realized when I, I'm working with my business team, I'm highly respectful. I don't yell at them. I don't force them to do anything. I make sure our motives are aligned and I incentivize and we have common goals. So we did the exact same thing in our family, both building a family culture and a family mission that includes things like we want to create the opportunity for entrepreneurship. We do hard things. That's our family motto. We were made to do hard things. Um, and then just building that into our everyday life. So I basically like made a spreadsheet, which is kind of one of my love languages, but I made a spreadsheet of natural cause and effects that we do with the kids. So I don't have to incentivize and I don't have to do consequences because those are naturally occurring. So when they do their own laundry, if they forget to do their laundry, they don't have clothes. That's not my problem, that's their responsibility. If they don't help with the kitchen after lunch, I don't make dinner, there's no food. So very quickly they learn from the natural consequences and there's no yelling, there's no, which also elevates all of us and we can come from a place of mutual respect versus like feeling like I'm constantly nagging them and I'm sure they felt like I was constantly nagging them as well. I love that. So right now, and for many years, I've been waking them up at 5.45 a.m. to do their workouts. But if I said, you wake up on your own, you do the workout, or there's no breakfast. <laughs> is that Would that fit your program? Or, so yeah, so the way I would think of it is, um, 
we look at like levels of responsibility. So like, for instance, when it comes to food in our house, I'm like, my responsibility as a parent is to make sure that you have access to nutritious food. And your responsibility is to decide if you're hungry or not and to eat if you're, if you want to. I never force them to eat food. I don't like make them finish what's on their plate. I don't put food on their plate. Um, we just have that division of responsibility. So I would say for your kids, like, it's their responsibility to work out. And if that's part of your culture, like tie it to something that they need um, right. some, in some way, but yeah. let them take ownership for it. Yeah, no, I like this. My, oh, every morning it's a battle. It's, you got to do the workout. You got to drink your green juice. <laughs> you got to eat your breakfast. You got to do math because we do like 20 minutes of math and then, and then 20 to 30 minutes of Mandarin okay. every morning. It is a battle every morning to get that done. How old are they? Uh, 13, 11, 10, and 6. And the 6-year-old is the easiest, believe it or not. She just gets it done. Well, yeah, 6 is a great age, too. Yeah. And, the, and the 13, easy. 13 just does it. Could any of that be done? I wonder if it's partially also like a sleep thing. Like they're saying in sleep studies, kids, a lot of them need to sleep till like 9, and we wake them up at, you know, 5 for school. No, I agree, but but the kids would have to, I think about that a lot. The kids would have to get up at, you know, another 6.45 anyway. So, so just to make school and, and, and all that. I, I agree. I, I very uh, diligently put them to bed every night, 8, 8.30. Mm-hmm. So, um, oh, good. So they're getting plenty of sleep. They're getting plenty of sleep. And I, I kind of monitor on the weekends. They probably sleep an extra 30 minutes, and they're up on their own anyway. Okay. So yeah. they're well-rested. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, maybe I'm fooling myself. But, but I like this idea that, like, um, there are natural consequences. Or make it, I don't know if they do, like, any technology or screen time, but tie it to that, like... Yeah. In order to X, Y, Z later in the day, you have to check these boxes in the morning. On that note, I can't believe, and maybe you know if this exists or not, how is there not a company, how is there not an app that, um, that basically shuts their phone off uh, you know, outside of emergency calls or whatever unless they achieve the things you want them to achieve? Like, I need you to do, I need you to do your Mandarin. I need you to do your math app, these things. And when, once they're all done, it unlocks your phone. That's true. I wonder if that, that must exist. Surely someone saw I would, that. Right? I would think so, if not, right? We should do this. We, we should, should do this. It, yeah. I, the Spartan Mama. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> Spartan Wellness Mama. What did I miss? What What other tips can uh, the Spartan moms and dads out there get that we could apply to our household? So I think it really starts with defining what your long-term priorities are with your family. I think a lot of us, um, we have those things in business. We have those things personally, maybe with training for a race, but we don't have that necessarily that long-term focus with raising our kids. Like we obviously want them to get to adulthood and healthy and safe, but looking at like, what are these things I really want to impart to them? What are our priorities as a family? And what do I want to accomplish before they leave home? So for us, that's things like prioritizing family meal times and, um, and things like boredom, creating more white space, more margin for them. Um, kids are born with so much innate creativity and, and the ability to think critically and connect dots where others people don't even see the dots that I feel like we really have to nurture that and protect against things that can like like for us family dinner is a huge priority so any activities or commitments that inter- interfere with family dinner are a no-go and we plan things around that so I think that's one and I think also just reducing the amount of stuff we put into our daily lives um like, especially for me with six, it would not be possible if they all had three different sports they were going to do plus like 12 other activities, we would never see each other. Um, so figuring out what are those like, you know, 80-20 principle or the, those core objectives, the KPIs, figuring those out for your kids and your family and then, and then nurturing stick it, stick that. And then sticking to those. Yeah. yeah. Do you, what do you do with sports? Do you have, do you all play soccer or what, what, 
pole vaulting actually um, is something they can all do together. They're um, naturally very acrobatic, and so we've tried to find ways to foster that. So it's been pole vaulting. Um, when we can do it, they love trapeze. But um, pole vaulting is one that's like, I'm like, it's good. It's explosive movement. It's acrobatic. It, it's Was it completely system. random? I mean, how'd you find pole vaulting? We live near someone who's a retired uh, like competitive pole vaulter and oh, who wow. just teaches a few kids. And um, my kids picked it up really quick, so they've stuck with it. That's absolutely awesome. So later, in t- you know, uh, 20 years from now, when they write a story about your kids being like Olympic gold medal <laughs> pole vaulters, they'll say... It was completely random. They just lived near a pro, right? But well, that's what how happens. How much in life is that? It'd be yeah. in the right place at the right time, you know? There's no doubt about it. We, we, um, I stumbled upon on a plane talking to somebody who lived overseas for three years and went through their whole story. And so then we moved overseas. And so wow. that's what happens, right? You just, um, product of your environment. All right. So um, how do people find out about you? Wellness Mama across the board. So wellnessmama.com. There's a podcast by the same name and all the social media. Awesome. You are awesome. I feel like um, I feel like I could have two more kids after hanging out with you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> more Spartans. Uh, exactly. You know, I really like Katie Wells. What strikes me about her is, is she's really two CEOs. She's got this thriving enterprise with Wellness Mama, and then she's the CEO of her family as well. And I think when you listen to her talk, it is a lot of stress. You have to be organized, and she keeps things organized, and she runs it as if she is the CEO of both of those companies. And I imagine at her company, she delegates because she's clearly delegating responsibility down to the children. Yeah, right. That's a great because point. she's saying, Hey, if you do, you don't do your homework or you don't clean up or whatever, there is no or you don't cook, there is no dinner kind of thing, right? They have chores, duties, responsibilities, and then there are consequences to doing them or not to doing them. So I assume that's how she. I don't know, but I would suspect that that trait carries on into her it's, it's corporate funny. life. That's a great thing that I haven't thought about a lot as a parent. Is that we spend a lot of time trying to shield our kids from consequences. It's not like we're trying to get them out of trouble. But it's like, you know, you make them do their homework. You make them do their homework because you don't want them to deal with the consequence of not doing their homework. There's something to be said with touching that stove. You learn. You don't do it again. So I like that she said, you know, I'm going to let the kids actually see their consequences of these things. Well, there's um, a regenerative design modality called permaculture. And I'm a certified permaculture educator. And one of the principles of it, okay, if you think of... Um, it says least change for the greatest effect. Right? If you think of a watershed, okay, so if you take your knuckles, if you're a city or um, a town, wherever the water falls, like if it's raining, it falls into your valley, that's your watershed, okay? And the idea is you can't go to the bottom of a river where it's absolutely all eroded out to make a change. You're never going to be able to build a dam. You're not going to be able to do that. You have to go up to the tip top of that mountain where that watershed begins, where it's just a little trickle, right? And you divert it. And so that's the least amount of change. There's not that much effort for the greatest effect because everything downstream is changed. So if you think about in parenting and like maternal instincts and motherhood, right? They're kind of top of the watershed. And let's, you know, let's, let's get over it. I see. I'm trying to think we're going with this. (laughs) No. So instead of trying to say there's laundry everywhere, blah, blah, what's the least change you can make for the greatest effect? You want to go to school with dirty clothes? I'm not washing your laundry. You don't want dinner? Where I thought you were you going. Get, yeah, okay. Which, no, no, which, which is another um, point that she made that ties into this. When she said, if you want to make change, go to the mothers. You yeah. know, who has the greatest influence over the future? It's the mother is the one who is raising these children for the most part. I mean, we dads do as well. But, um, but if you want to change the world, do it through the mothers. I love that. I mean, the uh-huh. maternal line just of child rearing, right? Not, I mean, to talk about seeds and eggs, but all of the eggs a woman ever has was in your mom and her grandmother and it. 
No, I'm serious. It's true. It's different for men. So it's like it, throughout all time, that's an understood. That makes them uncomfortable because they don't have to give birth. <laughs> Another reason. Uncomfortable because why you're, the you're talking about the egg without the seed. Oh, I mean, yeah, there you the go. Seed, a, that, the a, seed that's different than like the eggs or something that you have throughout time immemorial. Yeah, but I, I, I want to hear from I, Wellness I, Papa no, for a second. What I'm, what I'm trying to wellness say is, I, I don't know because I didn't hear it addressed. But it, my personal belief is, and, and Lonnie, I know you, you, you said you, your mother, you raised by a single mother, but with help from your grandmother. I, I think children require a lot of effort, a lot of effort, and and two or more is better. One, one is certainly. No, but I'm saying one one parent or, or one influence or whatever it, it can get it done. But it is a whole lot easier and I think more efficient with with two or more. Uh, here's, here's, and, uh, here's two being uh, I think here's primary. A, here's a thought though on that because I agree that um you know having more people uh, doing sp spreading the work and right. and, and, the work and making and the effort and and yet it's funny ideas. because. We do have so many people on here, and I, I never really thought a lot about this, but we have so many people on yeah. here. It's about, I was raised by just my mom, or I was raised by just my dad, or I was raised by my grandparents. And I do think there's something to be said for being the kid who doesn't have those two, I'm not saying we should all like, you know, uh, try and raise a, a kid without the advantages that we can give them. But, you know, when, when she says, um, I, I, I want my kids to not, to, I want them to have to do the work. I want things to not be done for them. And I, I do think, uh, we had a guest a while ago who said that the disadvantage that he had, um, Nick, Nick Green, whether it's aired or not, I'm not sure, but incredible guy, really successful. But he said, man, as a young adult, I had to relearn everything because I had no resiliency. I had to teach myself resiliency. So I think what she's doing is she's saying, I'm going to teach them responsibility and resiliency and consequence out of the gate. And... Um, also, also, I don't think she's doing it as a single mom. I, I, I think no, that I, I don't either. But yeah. I'm just saying. But I do. I will say, uh, having spent a few days in, in the military, I would see young officers coming, typically from the uh, military academies, West Point, and you would think they would be some of the best young lieutenants and officers there were. Quite the contrary, and I'm saying that with my son having graduated from there. Not really all that good lieutenants. West Point's goal is to create general officers. This woman, Katie, is. she said, I'm not raising children. I'm, I'm raising my ch children to be adults, right? She's kind of, all right, that intermediate step, I, I think you're going to get that. I want you to be a productive member of society as an adult. And the thing that I can say about society, were you finished? Yeah. <laughs> the thing, well, the thing that I can say I, I about... I am now. But the thing I can say about society, right, one of the problems that we're facing and why there isn't any structure or systems put in place is because we've had this loss of community and culture, right? When I was seed hunting up in the high mesas and I was invited to come to a Hopi ceremony, the preparation before the ceremony, all the kids knew what their function was. They were wrapping the corn. They were cooking the corn. They were the ones who gave the things to the elders. The elders looked after the kids. We have a bit of a broken society. So now without those things in place, we have to kind of reinstill what the rules and responsibilities, rites of passage and things are, because it just doesn't, it isn't fostered and facilitated by the culture that, that we're really living in that well, much anymore. And the world is changing so fast, right? There, people are doing more with less, whether it's in, you know, the corporate world today or if it's at home. And so I think it starts with, you know, healthy eating, which she talks about, you know, some of that. So starting at the top, kind of where you were talking about earlier, and I think what she's created for other mothers, fathers could probably join this and get a lot from it as well, sure, because definitely. we're stressed. You know, we live in stressful times and we want sense of community, want to go someplace where we can feel safe and learn how do we do this better along the way. Well, she does talk about though, the importance of downtime as well, yeah. Yeah,
or you might sound if you're listening to this drive 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 but she understands there's got to be it's got to be balance there and sometimes you just want to Take smart. it easy. And while we're talking about stress, I, I really appreciate it because so many people will come to us and they'll say, now that I have it all figured out, I'll let you know how I got here. Right. And she, but she shared with us, she said, you know, at the peak of this blog, it's blowing up. Everyone loves me. And I was going to delete it. I was done. I was so overwhelmed. And she said a big thing that the community did for her was she realized, oh, I get it. Everyone's overwhelmed. Everyone's going a million miles an hour. And it wasn't until she realized that, um, that, you know, sort of like with great responsibility comes great, uh, great yeah. pros. And she, she realized, yeah, I'm doing big things. Of course, there's a lot of stress involved. So I, I thought that was huge that she shared that, that vulnerability. Can I just say one other ecological analogy? I vote, I vote yes. Yeah. Sure. yes. Yeah. So the thing is, right, if you look, if you want to understand true, like, sociology, look to myrmecology. Myrmecology is a study of ants, okay? And if you think about ants, all I can tell you is they have it figured out. And who runs the anthill? It's the queen. And pretty much... Everyone in the anthill is the queen's baby in the beginning, right? She's just giving birth. She has to give birth and feed the kids and do the food forging and all of that. And she's pretty sloppy at it because she's inherently not good at all of those tasks. But by giving birth and by the temperature they're incubated at and what they're fed, you get the big defender ants and the ones who go scout the leaves and the ones that make the maceration that inoculate the... The, the mushrooms, see, they're lost. Too. But at least Lonnie's still with I'm, me because he hasn't been on the show. But, but all I can say is like... The more, like, sometimes in the beginning you have to do things that you're not good at until you've had enough kids, six kids, or built in these structures, right, that facilitate all the functions that need to happen. But there, there, are, there are uncles, too. There's uncles and there's dads, and we're not trying well, to don't, be, like, men-eating society her, please, of the ants. But I'm just saying, <laughs> at a certain point, right, let's pay a little homage and uh, where where it's due. And those mamas, man. Oh, uh, I'd also like to pay homage to the only person. Homage. Like uh, Miss Courtney DeSena. I'd pay homage. <laughs> I want to pay homage to the only person on this side of the table who may one day be a mama. That's you. We have an incredible producer who is a mama behind the camera there. Right time, right place, right plant. There you go. Anyways. Take us out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go. Thanks for listening to today's episode of Spartan Up. We're here for you to be your partner in resilience for mind and body. If you have goals, we're here for you with daily tips to keep you on track and interviews every Tuesday with inspiring, motivating people. The only thing we ask of you is to push yourself and push your limits and to help us get the word out. We're on a mission to rip 100 million people off the couch and give them the tools to keep going. So please tell your friends about us. Subscribe. Share it if you like this episode and let us know what you think. Are we on the right track? You can find us on Instagram at Spartan Up Podcast or on Twitter at SpartanUpPod. See you next week.